Hello and welcome back to FDTV. We are back again with another episode of our weekly podcast. I'm your host Ali, joined with my fellow co-host Javad. Javad, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Ali. How's everything going with the world of football nowadays? We have a lot of news about many different players going to different clubs. So let's start off with Manchester United. Uh, five midfielders are linked with them. Obviously, they have a midfield problem. Uh, Paul Pogba doesn't play well in the double pivot. The latest news is Harry Winks, who has been out of touch with game time at Tottenham Hotspur. A 25 million inquiry has been made for Harry Winks. How do you rate the transfer if it happens? All right. So first of all, his ex-manager, Pochettino, kind of uh, dubbed him a mini Iniesta. So high praise coming in from Pochettino to Harry Winks. I personally really liked him as a midfielder and they had somewhat of a success under Pochettino really going into the finals of the Champions League, which was unique. And Winks was an important part of Pochettino's lineup. Uh, typically, the praises go to the players who have all uh, goal contributions, who are providing the assists, who are in the build-up play. But sometimes we forget the backbone of a team, the typical box-to-box midfielder that's doing the dirty work, intercepting and putting your playmaker on the ball and that's where Harry Winks was shining under Pochettino uh, so uh, when Pochettino left unfortunately for him under Mourinho he didn't quite fit in he struggled for game time and when you struggle for game time you typically lose the touch that you were so good with so he ended up losing what made him special but uh, that's I think temporary if he is able to find his form back again it would be a great addition for Solskjaer's side what do you say when it comes to Harry Winks I don't think that he is the answer to Manchester United right now. I think he is as good as Tottenham Hotspur and he can be a good uh, figure at the club, a historical player at Tottenham Hotspur. United needs someone who is a bit more rugged, who can really win the ball back, is a great interceptor, his work rate is high and is a great passer as well. Harry Wings can easily be outrun by midfielders who are bigger in stature than him. Uh, They need to look elsewhere, but I do rate Harry Wings. He's a good option of the bench, but if you go in that direction, you have Scott McTominay, who also fits in a similar profile, but is a lot more stronger than Harry Wings and can move much higher up the pitch as compared to Harry Wings. Harry Wings to United doesn't make sense to me, and that's where my second question comes in. United are also linked with Kama Winga, who has been an amazing French revelation in the French league this season. A great, great passer, a great dribbler, and his ball intention. It reminds me of uh, Kante and Ndidi when it comes to ball retention. Very good uh, passer as well. So don't you think that moving for Kamavinga, obviously you have to pay much higher. That would be a better move. So I would definitely agree in sense that it would be a more high potential move for sure. Kamavinga at the age of 18 has shown tremendous potential. And so far because of that potential, he's been linked with the likes of United, the likes of Barcelona, with the likes of Real Madrid. So it's big clubs who are keeping an eye on this youngster out of France, which makes me think that the price tag that Renz are going to put on him is going to be huge. So when you're competing with the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid, even when they are down and out in terms of depth that's uh, been gathered by the club, they still will be willing to outspend the likes of United at this point. So I feel like Kamavenga, though, might be a better choice than Winks. It certainly seems like the unrealistic choice because I feel like he's likelier to go uh, to a club like Real Madrid than to Manchester United, which is still building up their reputation as one of the European's true elites. Makes sense. Uh, I have a couple of other names that United should be linked with, but I don't know why uh, media is not reporting any 
scout reports on these two players. Dennis Zakaria from Borussia Mönchengladbach was making strides in the German Bundesliga last season. Manchester City were linked with them. They were looking at him sort of as a Fernandinho replacement. He he's, reminds me of a younger Patrick Vieira and that is a big praise uh, coming from a person who has watched Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane in the Premier League as well. So, I think Dennis Zakaria should be on the United radar. I, I don't know what kind of uh, scouting we do, but Dennis Zakaria, uh, the Portuguese talent Joao Palinha and Ruben Neves, these should be the kind of players that United should co- uh, scout and go for. Harry Winks and uh, players like uh, Declan Rice, I don't think they fit the United profile at all. So, my last question about this topic is, uh, we have Harry Winks, Kama Winga, Ruben Neves, Dennis Zakaria and Joao Palinha. If you have to prioritize them uh, according to ability and the need of Manchester United, uh, what, do you, what in what order do you put them in? So, if I wasn't limited by budget and I wasn't limited by competition, I would uh, I would make the pick of Kamavinga and see how he plays out because I've got the likes of Fred and McTominay ahead of him, which can still perform if Kamavinga is still trying to struggle and fit in to the English Premier League. Right. So that that's my first choice option. An 18 year old, he's got a tremendous potential, a very high ceiling, and he can definitely grow into what we all know that he can be. But if you're looking for something which is a bit more certain and a bit more safe and certainly a bit more realistic, I feel Joao Felinia is the best choice. He's got a He's had a tremendous season with Sporting this year and really uh, came into his own, leading the team from the central midfield spot and actually was the heartbeat of midfield for Sporting. So I feel like uh, Polinia is going to be my safest choice. And he, he's also also been linked with United somewhat here and there. And a, he should come in at a cheaper cost compared to Kamavenga. So similar price range to, let's say, Harry Wings uh, or even Declan Rice. Joe Polinia, obviously United bought Bruno Fernandes for sporting. And I think that turned out really good. So Joe Polinia to United, I think, will be a good move as well for 30 million. Uh, let's see where the United midfield goes. I'm definitely not happy with the current situation. If Pogba wants to leave, I'm okay with that. And a player of the ability of uh, Ruben Neves or Joao Palinha is likely to move in. But let's move on to the European Championship. We're going to talk about the England squad as well. Trent Alexander-Arnold got injured. But let's talk about the starting eleven: Jordan Pickford, Sam Johnston and Dean Henderson. Who is your starting pick for England in the goalkeeping spot? I'm going to go for Pickford uh, if he's able to perform at the level that he typically does. I feel like Pickford is the obvious starter uh, with the back of uh, Henderson as well. But uh, try him out and see how he does against Romania. And if you see any errors and Pickford is making his typical mistakes that he is likely to make here and there, then I feel like Henderson would start over him. But as of right now, I feel like Pickford is the safe star- starting bet for the goalkeeping position at England. A three at the back system, which is likely to happen at the Euros as well. So, I think John Stones is a nailed-on starter at the right-handed centre-back spot. Uh, on the left-hand side, I think Harry Maguire will take the spot as a leader in the back line. But if he is injured and the third spot is up for grabs, who goes in? Tyrone Mings, Kyle Walker or Connor Cody? So, I feel like we need a bit of an attacking presence. Uh, once you've got the likes of Stones and Maguire in there, Walker is the way to go with the three centre-backs. Walker, Maguire and Stone uh, is, is not something that I would love. Uh, but I feel like it's the best that England has right now to play with. And if we talk about the wing-back spots, Luke Shaw, uh, Chilwell, uh, Karen Trippier who won the league title with uh, Atletico Madrid in La Liga. And we have Reese James who won the Champions League with Chelsea. This is a tough bunch of players to pick from. What do you think is the perfect option and the perfect pairing for the wing-back spots? 
So, uh, Luke Shaw is the safest bet, I feel like, right now, specifically for the wingback sport, uh, because uh, with his experience at the very top level and uh, the pain that he felt uh, losing uh, the Europa League final, I feel like that could be utilized specifically because a lot of the time we forget that emotion is a very key thing in what we're able to uh, portray on the national stage. And if he's able to channel that emotion and really uh, take the three lines to the next level, I, I feel like he, he would be an ideal sport uh, uh, for England right now. I think Shaw is a very good option because he provides balance. He's very good defensively as well. And going forward, he's not hesitant. I feel like Chilwell is kind of out of place on a number of occasions. And the opening game is, is against Croatia and you can't take too many chances against a strong opposition. For, so Shaw for me goes in without any hesitancy. On the right hand side, that's where the problem is and that's where uh, the, the position is head scratcher. Karen Trippier provides great deliveries and Reese James is much more solid defensively. So that's where the problem lies for me. But I would pick Reese James over Karen Trippier. Uh, do, you, do you agree? That's where we kind of disagree there. So I, I would actually prefer Trippier. And that's because of the experience that comes along with winning as well. So we just talked about the emotions that you have uh, through losing a final. You're able to channel that to actually uh, go to the next level. Trippier playing for Atletico Madrid, winning the league this year. I feel like uh, he really uh, has taken his game to the next level. Though defensively, he is uh, not at the level uh, right now that's required. But you got to keep in mind, Atleti plays a very, very defensive line, right? So he is used to playing uh, with that uh, kind of defensive mindset. Trippier is able to uh, kind of utilize all he's learned under Diego Simeone. He should be a better uh, option for the right back spot. Now, obviously, uh, the right wing back spot, I must say. Uh, Alexander Arnold holds the nail in spot, but since he's been injured, I feel like I'm, I'm going to go with Trippier for right now. Let's move on to the middle of the park. For me, this is the make or break spot for England. If they really want to make a mark on the opening game or the tournament in general, I think midfield is the biggest uh, problem for Gareth Southgate. Obviously, he didn't sound confident about the uh, Jordan Henderson situation. He has been injured for the past six months. No game time for him. And obviously, if he was fit, he would go in easily. But for me, Declan Rice from West Ham United had a brilliant season. He goes in as a defensive midfielder who will keep the back line in shape and transition the ball from defense to attack and provide the bridge in the middle that is required. Also, very good ball retention. So that is... Uh, the left-sided midfielder that I choose. On the right-hand side, I would go for Calvin Phillips. People don't rate Calvin Phillips as highly, but in a team like Leeds United, when you don't have much time to pass the ball around, he makes his presence known. He is a lone uh, holding midfielder that Marcelo Bielsa uh, uh, prefers in the middle of the park. And him and Declan Rice can form a formidable partnership. What is your pairing for the midfield spots? So I would agree with that pairing right now, but I would say that if Henderson has about 30-40 minutes in his legs, I would give him a go, right? And if he's able to uh, really play himself back into form and really play himself back into fitness, I would prefer him specifically over Calvin Phillips, right? I feel like uh, Declan Rice is a better option right now uh, alongside with Henderson. But if Henderson is able to play, and then, yeah, I would actually leave Calvin Phillips out of the starting 11. So, yeah, I would actually give him a run, uh, specifically against Romania with the match coming up. If he's able to uh, get a couple of minutes under his belt, that, that's the ideal situation for England right now. Yeah, I would actually prefer Mason Mount in a bit more of an attacking position. I wouldn't uh, put him uh, at the central midfield, kind of the box-to-box -box role that both uh, Declan Rice, specifically Henderson, would be able to play. So, I, I feel like uh, Mason Mount should be uh, played a bit up front. 
right? Uh, closer to the attackers. Specifically, uh, I've got Jude Bellingham, who's an all, also a very, very good option there, uh, a bit further up the pitch. So let's talk about the left side of attack. We have very good options here. Raheem Sterling did not impress me so far in the England shirt uh, in the past couple of months. I think he has been out of touch. He's not in the scoring stride that he usually in. Uh, Jack Grealish is coming back from an injury and he got the number 10, 10 shirt. So I, I think that would be on the mind of uh, Gareth Southgate as well. And the third option is obviously Rashford. I would prefer, prefer uh, Jack Grealish in this role if he's fully fit over Marcus Rashford and Sterling. Do you agree? You got Phil Foden. Right, you, you can't forget Phil Foden, right? So th there's a lot of options that you can play up front. Specifically, you got obviously the center forward spot is nailed in for Harry Kane, and then uh, on the right hand side, I feel like uh, Sancho would be the starting position, right? Sa Sancho's got that nailed in. The left hand spot, I feel like Phil Foden should be a starting player for England right now. I feel like give him the chance ahead of all these players. Southgate should be kind of testing on the left hand side where uh, which players can really fit into his starting eleven. W what are your thoughts on the? left i would give equal time to phil foden rashford and uh, uh, jack grealish but jack grealish for me would be the uh, first option because he is kind of eden hazard not equal in terms of talent but a slight step down from eden hazard a player who likes to carry the ball all the way from the uh, midfield to the attack and likes to link up with the striker has a very good shot on, on him as well so that is the kind of player i would like for england to have in a free role on the left hand side that is my front three. England have the capability in the attack to score three or four goals past most oppositions, and they should dominate possession. But Gareth Southgate is kind of a conservative coach, but he should really change his plans for this uh, Euros and really make a mark on the international stage of things. Finally, bring the trophy home, which England fans always chant about on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> so let's see where where this goes. Now, my last question about the England topic is this: What is your prediction for England this summer? So England, uh, I feel like quarterfinals is, is the max they, that they can go with it. Now, that's not a knock on England. That's just a high praise on everyone else involved. So we've got a very strong Belgium side with Lukaku firing. And then you got a very strong Absolutely. France side, right? So these two uh, teams, I feel like, are uh, sure bet things to make a very deep run. And then you've got the likes Absolutely. of Germany and Spain in there as well, who have been doing good. Uh, I think they can go all the way to the semi-finals this season. Uh, you said they're going to quarter-finals, but I think they have the ability <laughs> in the attacking terms of things to compete with the best of the teams in the tournament. So I'm predicting the semi-final for England. Uh, they should not be cut if mm -hmm. they go out in the semi-final. Obviously, it never comes home. So let's see what happens. Moving on to the German side of things. Germany also announced their squad a couple of weeks ago. So I think Manuel Neuer is the obvious pick for the goalkeeping spot. Do you disagree? No, absolutely. Uh, like you uh, tremendously pointed out, uh, Tristegen has been injured, right? So the absolutely. only starting competition that he had is out of the uh, out of the choice right now. Now they obviously have better goalkeepers uh, that are available as a backup. But then, yeah, if you haven't got Tristegen, then it's an obvious set-in that Neuer should be starting. Moving on to the back three, uh, they have Hummels. They have. Kosh, they have Nicolas Suhl, they have Matthias Kintel, who I rate very highly. So, who is your uh, back three for Germany? So, Rudiger, Hummels, and Geintiger. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I feel like that's the starting uh, three uh, for, for the back three of Germany. Now, Hummels obviously is, has been tremendous for Dortmund this season and really came into his own right at the end of the season when they, they needed him. So that's an obvious set-in for uh, Germany. And then Rodinger on the left-hand side, all the centre-backs, uh, is another great pick. Is that something that you think you agree with? 
Nicholas Sewell and Ginter. That is a very very difficult choice because Nicholas Sewell, I rate him very highly. He is a very good last ditch tackler. When the attacker has gone past him, you expect him to fall behind. But even though he is a slow player, he likes to put the tackle in and get the ball back. That is where his presence comes in, and he is very strong and very tall as well. Uh, Hummels and Rudiger, who is coming off a Champions League victory with Chelsea, that's the uh, back three that I have. Moving on in the middle of the park, that is probably probably my favorite midfield pairing in the world. We have uh, Leon Goretzka, wonderful defensive midfielder for Bayern Munich, made brilliant brilliant uh, contribution in the treble winning campaign, and we have uh, Joshua Kimmich, one of the most versatile and talented footballers in the entire world. We have uh, Cruz coming off a good season with Real Madrid. We have Gundogan, the top scorer for Man City this season. So, who is your uh, two midfielders for Germany? Uh, Kimmich and Gundogan. I feel like uh, it's a very tough spot to pick, but Kimmich, uh, the way he has transformed himself as a player. Now, I've always not rated Gundogan as much as I should, but he has really proved me wrong, and I feel like him and Kimmich. Uh, should be the nailed on starting two in the middle for Germany. Now, moving on to the left-hand side of the midfield. Now, this is the player that I want to love to talk about is Robert Gusens. What a season he had under Atlanta. And I think this wow. is the first call-up that he's had for Germany. And yes. uh, a tremendous uh, a story in, a, in its own right, right? Coming in from Bergamo and really proving himself for the German uh, hierarchy and saying that, hey, uh, there are other options if you really want to look into it. So yeah, Gozens is an absolute uh, must for if they if they want to be performing at the high levels. And I feel like he was probably uh, one of the best left backs in uh, Italian uh, Serie A this season. I would go with Klosterman. Obviously, made his name for RB Leipzig and has been consistent as a centre back and a right back throughout the last three or four seasons. Klosterman just offers experience and offers versatility at the right back spot. Has a very good delivery as well, and he can uh, drop in and play the inverted fullback role as well. That is really important on the right hand side for me, uh, because Hummels is not the fastest player on the planet. He can lag behind and can be out of position, even though he is experienced. Klosterman on the right hand side and Gosens, absolutely love Gosens. And in the middle, you chose Gunduhan and Kimmich. I can never leave uh, the German sniper out. And Cruz and Kimmich is the way to go. Gunduhan can be involved, but Kimmich and Cruz just offer that formidable backbone <laughs> that Germany can rely on. Uh, moving on to the front three, uh, this is this is tough. Kai Havertz, Werner, Kevin Boland. Uh, this is not the best uh, centre forward uh, trio that we have seen in the Euro squad. So who starts as a centre forward for Germany? I feel like they shouldn't start. Uh, they do. Uh, they should do what Pep Guardiola did and uh, have a completely left choice uh, stand forward and that should be Muller. Now he's been called back into the Germany squad and he has played there before, right? Absolutely. So I feel like they, they should uh, try Muller in the center forward squad. Now obviously that center forward is not going to be a true center forward. It's more like a false nine that they should be trying. But yeah, Muller through the middle and then you've got Sané and Nabri coming in from either side of the wings. That's what I feel like the front three of Germany should be lining up as. Uh, do you disagree with any of the picks? No, I definitely don't. Leroy Sané, obviously, I think he has, he had a talent of Bellin Dior contenders, in my opinion, but injury always caught up to him and some discipline issues as well. So Leroy Sané starts for me on the left-hand side, Nabri coming on in from the right. A shout out to Musiala as well, had a great season. And uh, Müller, obviously, I'm not going to start Kevin Boland. Uh, he had a great season with Monaco and he just moved there from Leverkusen for a mere sum of 5 million. And I always rated Kevin Boland much higher than that. But the next question is, 
what is the general expectation from Germany this season of the fan base and what do you predict for Germany? So yeah, I feel like Germany should be in the semis at least. Is that something you agree with? So a quarter-final exit for Germany is on the cards for me. But let's see what happens with them. Obviously, they are in the group of death with France and Portugal. And even the third place Finnish team can go through. So they will get through the group easily. But uh, I don't see them going past quarterfinals. So let's get get on to Italy and what they would be looking like uh, at the start of the Euros specifically. Uh, now, obviously, under Mancini, they've had a tremendous successful uh, start to the campaign. Uh, they've, uh, they've been unbeaten. The big tests are yet to come. Now, uh, let's look at what they would be lining up as. A nailed-on starting 11 spot is for Gigi Donnarumma at the goalkeeping spot or not. What do you think, Ali? One of the best goalkeepers in the world. Obviously, a nailed-on starter for me as well. Uh, Italy haven't lost a game since 2019, December. So, let's see where Italy goes. But Donnarumma has to be a part of Italy if they want to succeed. Let's talk about the centre-back pairing. We have the options of Kehlani, Bastoni, Akarbi, Bonucci and Toloi. What is your pairing for the Italian squad? So, Bastoni had a absolute amazing season at Inter. Now, he, he was the defensive uh, player for Inter this season. So, I feel like Bastoni should be a nailed-on starter regardless of what you're saying anywhere else. Now, you've also got the likes of Acherbi who's been doing really good under Lazio. So, there there's a lot of uh, different moving pieces that you can play. So, I feel like there should be a little bit of room for the older generation in there as well. So I'm probably going to go with Chiellini and Bastoni starting on, on the centre-back spot for Italy. Uh, do you agree with us? Jose Mourinho okay. once once said that uh, Bonucci and Chiellini can teach Harvard-level classes to all the defenders in the world on defensive abilities. As a pairing, I love them and they just complement each other as a centre-back pairing. So that is my pick. Let's talk about the full-backs. That is a weird situation going on. I don't rate either of Emerson Park Palmieri or Spanizola much highly, but who is your left-sided fullback? I feel like Spanizola should be uh, a given choice here. Give him, give him the shout at the left-back spot and he should be doing a good enough job for you. Now, you can obviously play him in and out with other players. And on the right-hand side, which is a bit more interesting, uh, I'm going to go with the likes of Florenzi. What, what do you think? Is it any better option right now for the right-back spot? Di Lorenzo is not much far behind when it comes to ability as a right-back. He likes to move up and down as well. Very high work rate for both of these gentlemen. Moving on to the middle of the park. Now, the system that Mancini likes to deploy is one holding midfielder behind two progressive midfielders on the left-hand side and the right-hand side. For the holding spot, we have Locatelli on Jor- and Jorginho. So, who is your pick for this spot? I'm actually going to go with Verratti. <laughs> I'm not going to go wow. with either of them. right? So, I feel like Verratti is uh, the player to actually start. So uh, he's, he's been doing really good in the PSG. And uh, though Jorginho has had a better season for Chelsea and they won the Champions League. Now, so you, you, you have to really look at what he's going to be playing. Now, there are two Mazellas that are going to be playing uh, alongside with Varati. So you've got the likes of Barella. And you've got Pellegrini. Uh, you've got a lot of talent over here. And you can even play the likes of Locatelli in, in that position, right? Yeah. So that's where things get confusing for Italy. Then you got to put in Barella in there. The, I, there isn't any way that you leave Barella out of this one. What do you think? Uh, Locatelli for me would be the holding midfielder. And on the left-hand side, mm-hmm. I would go with Virati. And on the right-hand side, nobody should ask any questions. Absolute baller, Nicolo Barella. Absolute baller. He needs to start. And I think he will be the most important player in the midfield for Italy this season. But moving on to the attack. And we, before we do that, I need to give two shout-outs. I need to give shout-out to David Calabria. I love him as a right-back. I think he should be included in the squad instead of Di Lorenzo. And the other player I'm gutted about is the injured 
Zaniolo. I was so excited to watch him. I absolutely love the player. He has been with Italy ever since he got his debut with Roma. So uh, really, it's really sorry for him that he got injured. Now, the interesting scenario with Calabria, though, is I just want to highlight that for you, is that he actually chose to uh, stay out of the Italy squad because he's going to have a hernia surgery. Now, moving on to the uh, starting side of things for the attackers, I feel like there's a lot of different options. You've got Velotti, you've got Insigne, you you got Chiesa, you got Immobile. There's a lot of different players. And uh, you got the poor man uh, Aguero Raspadori, right? An absolute tremendous talent, right? who can be uh, be an absolute key to what Italy can do off the bench. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that Raspadori should be starting. Uh, my starting centre-forward should be, no doubt, Immobile, right? And then Insigne coming in from the left and Chiesa coming in on the right. I think the attacker is nailed on, like in the case of England and Belgium. Uh, Lukaku goes in for Belgium. Uh, for England, we have Hurricane. Here, I think Immobile is untouchable. Bellotti is a great player and a great option off the bench, but he's nowhere near... The level of immobile when it comes to ability or presence in the center forward spot on the right hand side we got chiesa had a wonderful season with juventus uh domenico berardi one of my favorite players in syria as a whole always underrated i love i would love to have him or see him at a bigger club like united or arsenal uh the third option is uh bernadeshi i don't know what he is doing there uh, he should be at home watching uh italy on the, <laughs> on the te- television set but for me, I would go with experience and Berardi over Chiesa would be my pick. On the left, I would agree with you. Insenia, again, a brilliant season. Napoli are over-reliant on him, as you said in the last video. Now, moving on to the next question I have for you. And what is your prediction for them? So, I feel like they are going to be the dark horses of the Euros. Now, no one is expecting them to win it. I feel like yeah. Italy has a very, very high chance of winning all of this thing, right? Now, uh, at most, I'm going to predict that they, they make it to the semifinals and everything after that is up to chance of uh, the luck of the draw, who they're facing in the semifinals. Makes sense. I think a quarterfinal appearance for Italy would be the best that they can <laughs> achieve. I think they will draw with a much stronger opposition and they will get knocked out with a 2-1 scoreline. That's just the gut feeling that I'm having right now. Let's see where the tournament takes them. So let's move on to the next topic, which is also related to Manchester United. Uh, reports are almost confirming the move of Jadon Sancho to Manchester United for 77 million. That is the price tag coming down from last year's price tag of 120 million. In the current circumstances, considering everything and considering the age and ability of Sancho, do you think this is a bargain? It's definitely a bargain. So you got to keep in mind that his contract is almost up at Dortmund. So I feel like uh, selling specifically Sancho this year it does make sense and if they're able to get something along the lines of 77 to 80 uh, 80 million pounds it is going to be an absolute bargain for the like of United whereas they were willing to pay they were keep in mind they were willing to pay almost 120 130 million for the same player and uh, he's had a tremendous season with Dortmund I must say right right around the end of the year where Dortmund really started pushing for the Champions League now, obviously, all the headlines go to Holland, but a lot, a lot of the goals that Holland is scoring does come from that cross that all, Sancho always puts into the box. So that that brings me to a question for you: uh, Since Holland's uh, release clause is going to be kicked in uh, next year, and he's likely to be sold at around seventy to eighty million once that does kick in, do you think it's time for him to leave uh, Dortmund? To me, I would love to have him at Man United, but I think he would go for the bigger clubs. He would go for Barcelona or probably Man City, if I must say, or even Real Madrid can lure him in. 
but i i think that dortmund really is a place where you get after taking the initial steps in the lower league and now is the time to move with the big boys and make a mark on the biggest of clubs in the world football dortmund is a good club but i think that is a transition club obviously they don't achieve a lot in terms of trophies and a player like haland would not be very happy for a longer time if he goes trophyless for a longer duration so i think he would definitely move my question to you is this considering the glazer statement that came last week that they are fully backing ole gunnar solskjaer in this transfer window and they want to make the fans happy surprisingly and the reports were linking a transfer budget of 150 million to 200 million so when i consider that transfer budget and you get sancho for 77 million plus add-ons so that means that you uh, the hurricane move is off the table so do you think that is something uh, good in for united if they prioritize sancho over kane so i definitely agree with that cuz uh, you already got uh, a very good striker up front in in the likes of cavani right so if you're going to bring in kane uh keep in mind kane is not a young young deuce by any stretch of the imaginations right so at most he's got a couple maybe 3 years left in him uh, at the very top and yeah if he can stretch his body like cavani like ibrahimovic he can be playing for another 5 years or so but sancho is a younger profile and uh, he's going to be coming in at a cheaper price compared to harry kane this year right so kane at, at most uh, should definitely be sold at around 100 million mark and if sancho is going to be able to be snatched up at around 77 to 80 million i i feel like it definitely makes more sense to go for the younger profile player who's going to be for the future of uh specifically england if you really pay attention to the euros and if sancho is doing a great job and he is one of the protagonists then yeah why not 77 is a bargain absolute bargain move uh, for jaden sancho means that united have solved the right wing problem because there are no right wingers in the squad currently mason greenwood is an out and out striker which is his preferred position in in his own words so what is the next position that united should target and what is the next problem in the squad that united should look at uh, options for uh, i'm going to name a player who's going to be f- uh, available for free transfer surprisingly that's sergio ramos <laughs> another player who's been linked with uh, united so he's likely to leave uh, the r- reports have been saying definitely that the club and the player are not able to meet uh, at a middle point and the contract is will not be extended now when you see what alaba is making at madrid that's the kind of money that moramos was make, looking to make and since he's not been offered that as of right now i feel like uh, it's almost the door has been shown to ramos for him to make his way out of real madrid and if he is available for free regardless of how old he is he would be an absolute gem of a player for you to pick up specifically with the likes of harry maguire struggling right now for united i feel like if he comes in and the leadership that he possesses uh it, it would be a match made in heaven for your youngsters to learn under such an experienced player so that's the next position that i feel like should be targeted after they're able to fix up their attack they have to focus on their defense and a central defensive leader like ramos should be able to solve all your problems for the foreseeable future in the next couple of years and then you're able to make the newer players learn under him main advantage in signing a player like ramos is not how many years he's be, he'll be able to give you is the actual training and experience that he's going to bring alongside with him and the leadership skills that he has absolutely it should be a priority in my opinion they should sign two center backs because i don't trust any of the eric bailly lindelof or twan zebe for manchester united they're not good enough to start for a club like man united and uh, whoever disagrees is delusional in my opinion ramos would be good for a title charge next season considering we are moving for sancho as well uh, and getting a midfielder in 
like a job alinea that will be the perfect transfer window but my question is this uh, we see pau torres obviously he is reaching his potential very quickly right now he's becoming the next greatest uh, spanish center back he was brilliant in the game against portugal uh, didn't let any of the portuguese attacking talent go past him and he was better performer than uh, amrik laporte in my opinion so why why prefer sergio ramos over uh, torres why do you think that's the right move I, I feel like I prefer young players simply because of their potential that they have. But I'm going to go with Ramos specifically here simply because the leadership that he possesses is priceless. And him as a player, uh, right now, you, you need that. And specifically, United needs it because United does not have a leader in the back. Uh, even their goalkeeper is not a certain starter at this point. right? So there needs to be a voice in the back that's leading the boys to, towards victory. right? And if the likes of Patoras comes in, great. He has very high potential. But you also have other defenders who have very high potentials. But you don't have a leader right now in the back. And that's where I feel like uh, you need a bit of experience and you need a bit of Sergio Ramos. Absolutely. I, I would love to see Sergio Ramos in the Manchester United kit. A brilliant leader and hopefully he can solve our problems for the next couple of years. So I feel like England is my pick for underachievers. Now the reasons behind that is obviously they, they've had injury prone uh, squad filled up. Now Alexander Arlen is out. Now you've got a shaky de defense. So there's a couple of things that are go not going in the favor of England. So I feel like they would underachieve and bow out at quarterfinals. My pick for the underachievers is the Dutch squad. Frank de Boer is one of the worst international coaches I've ever seen. And Van Dijk is out of the tournament as well. So Netherlands for me is underachieving this, this season. So I feel like the dark horses for me is Italy. Now I'm going to define dark horses as the team uh, that's not been playing uh, at the level that that was expected and no one is expecting them to win it all. I feel like Italy has a definite shot at winning it all. And uh, that's what I'm labeling them as now. They've had a tremendous start uh, for the tutelage for Mancini, undefeated and uh, definitely playing a swaggery football, dominating everything. So Italy for me is definitely going to be the dark horses this Euros. For me, the dark horses have to be Denmark. Uh, Christian Eriksen, Pierre-Emir Hoiberg, Simon Kier, Kasper Schmeichel. When you put all these players in, you get a very good squad. They are in a very good run of form as well. And I just have this feeling that uh, Christian Eriksen will have a lot to say this Euros. You add all these things up in a mixture, you get the dark horses for the tournament so i feel like no one is actually paying this much attention to the likes of spain now uh, we we talk about portugal we talk about france we talk about belgium we talk about italy even right so i feel like uh, overachievers has to be spain no one is talking about them everyone is forgetting them now they've, they've, they've got a good enough squad to uh, make a deep run into this that that's my reason for going with spain as the overachievers overachievers for me in this euro has to be england I look at their defense, I look at Harry Maguire who is coming back off an injury, I see Connor Cody who had a, a terrible season with Wolverhampton Wanderers and I see Tyrone Mings who fell off uh, midway through the season with Aston Villa. So as much as I rate their attack and midfield, I don't think their defense is the best in the world and they will struggle a lot with the oppositions who are much fierce in nature. So England, if they get to a final or a semi-final, that would be I think overachieving for them. Now, this is a tough one. This is a very, very tough one. Uh, but my pick is going to be Harry Kane. I feel like because everything is going to go through him, 
Now you got Belgium and you got De Bruyne, you got Andre Silva and uh, Ronaldo. So you got other players who are going to be stealing and uh, chipping in goals. But for England, I don't think they have a protagonist other than Harry Kane. They got a, a very talented squad, uh, but the goal scoring threat comes from Harry Kane. I feel like he is going to be the top scorer for England. The top scorer for me this Euro is because of the swan song factor. And that is the absolutely mercurial Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't care how defensive of a coach Fernando Santos is. I think Cristiano will give his every bit like he did against Spain. He would obviously add to his collection. Kevin De Bruyne. And De Bruyne should be doing a good enough job for them. Now, obviously, the goals are going to go to the likes of Lukaku, right? So that's a, a pretty much set in stone, but the provider has to be De Bruyne. Now, Belgium boasts a very talented squad, and uh, the, I think they're rated number one in, in FIFA's ranking. For me, I had, I had a short list of three players. Number one is Bruno Fernandes. If he is offered a free loan in the Portugal squad, he can make a big impact. Second is Jack Grealish. If Gareth Southgate gives him the chance to operate on the left-hand side as a free role mid, uh, attacking midfielder. Uh, and the third option for me is Nicolo Barella, who is an absolute Italian baller at a very young age. And the, out of these three people, I would go with Bruno Fernandes because I think that he can have a deep run with Portugal and Ronaldo up front this summer and Andre Silva off the bench is not a bad option either. France, right? So the reason I say France is because uh, one player that's coming back in and that's not Mbappe, that's Karim Benzema. What a season he had with Real Madrid. And I think they are probably the most talented squad. It is France's to lose and France are, are the favorites to win. I have to go with my absolute idol, Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he's, he will be 39 in the next Euros and he won't be the starter for Portugal. Unfortunately, all good things come to an end. And I think he can be the player to retain the European title for Portugal. And hopefully he doesn't get injured and stays consistent. And hopefully Fernando Santos gives him a attacking team that can match his curiosity. And Ronaldo, for me, takes the Portuguese to the final and wins them the European Championship this season.